When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's very special show, we take your questions on avoiding a big send-off when switching jobs, which way the toilet paper should go, considering others when hosting a shower, and talking to people about pimples. For Awesome Etiquette Sustaining members, our question is about taking the leftovers when someone else pays for your meal. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript on joining the Post family. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of our home offices in Vermont and is proud to be produced by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Pooja Gupta Senning. And I'm Dan Post Senning. And this is a very special episode of Awesome Etiquette. I get to welcome back my lovely, awesome, intelligent, emotionally... <laughs> Together wife, Pooja, to help me out with the show today. Lizzie is in Martha's Vineyard, and we hope she's having an awesome time. But Pooja, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's always fun to do this. I'm kind of glad that Lizzie was having a great time on a vacation, and I have the chance to, to, to practice my skills again. Well, this is not your first visit to Awesome Etiquette. And I was telling you just before the show started, and I wanted to tell all of our listeners that I've been transferring the show archive from one hosting platform to another over the last week. And in the course of moving over 400 episodes, I've been listening to a lot of awesome etiquette along the way. And a lot of my favorite shows from the archive are the shows where we have guests. I really enjoy the shows where Bill Post joins us, where my mother, Cindy Postening, my uncle Peter Post join us. But the shows that I really love the most that are different than our usual shows are, and my apologies to all of our incredible guests who also do great shows, but um, <laughs> are the shows that you do. And it's just, it, it, you were the first name that jumped to my mind when it became apparent that Lizzie wasn't going to be able to do this today. And I thought to myself, it's even a little bit of an opportunity because it would be so much fun to get you back on the mic. Well, I'm flattered. It's it's kind of a a fun, rare experience for me to play what kind of like celebrity to be on a podcast that is projected out to so many people. It's it's definitely not something I do in my day-to-day -day life. So it feels pretty special. Well, I, I hope you do feel flattered and I hope you do feel a little special because you should also know that we hear from a lot of our audience that they love it when you join the show, both because they hear so much about you from me, obviously completely infatuated but also because you bring a, an emotionally coherent perspective. You have a, a career in mental health as a therapist, as a mental health counselor, and 
a lot of what we do here on Awesome Etiquette is about self-regulation, managing expectations and disappointments and approaching social obligations, but trying to do it in a way that's that's coherent emotionally, both for ourselves and for the other people that we're dealing with. And I think it's a really valuable perspective that you bring to this show. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting a dose of that as well. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, I think it's so interesting, the ability to, I mean, just the, the chance the realization that that I have the power to affect my relationships, both with myself and with other people, and that I can positively change, and therefore my relationships will be better just by me being better at that. That's a very empowering position to take in one's life. So I'm very lucky in the work that I get to do, and I'm very, very, very grateful to pass on anything that I've learned to anybody who's able to benefit. So like I said, great to be here. Well, in the spirit of it being exciting and fulfilling and worthwhile, we have some listener questions to get to. Do you want to get started? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions. You can email them to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at EmilyPostInst. On Instagram, we are at EmilyPostInstitute. And on Facebook, we are the Emily Post Institute. Just remember, use the hashtag AwesomeEtiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show. Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. 
Okay, our first question: Office obstacle. Hi, Lizzie and Dan. So grateful for you both and the consistently thoughtful and what I consider gold standard advice from you two etiquette experts. I have a work situation where I'm moving offices to a new location after more than a decade. It's the same organization I'll be working at, but a new set of coworkers, etc. My current coworkers want to throw me a dinner party or a backyard barbecue before I go. I find myself not particularly enthused by the idea. I just want to move forward and not necessarily wanting to rehash old times. Plus, COVID is on the rise in our area, so I'm not sure if a gathering is wise. And I'm really only close to a couple people at work who I would plan to see regardless, but I also feel conflicted. Is it the proper thing to give others the chance to say their goodbyes and gain closure? What, if anything, do I owe to my coworkers for old times' sake? Thanks for your help. Leaving on a jet plane. I love the sign-off. I can't hear it without hearing the song. I don't know about you. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> We could start singing it. Let's save everybody the <laughs> uh, the enjoyment. But the, the other question I wanted to ask you before we got into our answer is: Sound like anyone else you know hesitant to go out to gatherings? Just generally not wanting to be a joiner? Yes, yes, <laughs> it does. <laughs> oh, the chance to avoid a gathering is their way. <laughs> Well, I, I I would acknowledge it myself, but I thought it was appropriate for you to acknowledge it on my behalf, being the one who's largely responsible for keeping me from going into a social shell and not coming out for a long time. But I definitely play that role. I I pull you out and and make you go hang out with people, and then you always love it and don't want to leave. But well, I have to pull you out every time. You really do. It, it, it's kind of the perfect setup for the answer that I want to give here, which is that I want to play that role for leaving on a jet plane just a little bit. And I can almost feel an awareness of the the answer that would be the answer you would get on awesome etiquette in the way the question is asked it's almost like could you could you give me the encouragement could you tell me to what extent i have to but i'm i'm hesitant and i'm looking for some advice that might convince me that it's worthwhile and mm. the the etiquette thought that i sort of want to ground my answer in here is the idea that transitions are really important and oftentimes when we're thinking about etiquette we think about the arrival, the welcome, the greeting, the introduction, but equally important are the goodbyes, the partings, the gratitude and thanks that will conclude something well and giving yourself an opportunity to execute all those transitions well, I think is a, a great thing to keep in mind and are good places in general to keep your little etiquette antenna out to be thinking about the people around you and what their expectations might be as well as your own impulses and desires. And I really don't think that you owe anybody closure. I don't think it's an obligation to participate in something mm -hmm. like this, but I do think it's an opportunity. I think there are some, some real benefits that can be gained from giving people a chance to, to say goodbye, maybe to thank you and maybe to, to feel honored in the same way by you and your willingness to make the effort to say goodbye to them. And you never know the, this is not, while it's a fresh start and I want to congratulate leaving on a jet plane for the opportunity to try something new, do something different, make a change. It's also true that 
our world is a small place and we remain connected to people in ways that are not always immediately apparent. And it sounds like this might even be the same organization that, that it's a new department, yeah, a new is. office, mm-hmm. but it's in some way, another group that's connected to this group and having really good, strong relationships with, with both the folks that you're leaving as well as the folks that you're joining might, might pay rewards in ways that are, that aren't immediately apparent, like I said, or, and also might be really beneficial. Yeah. I think that makes good sense. You never know when a colleague is going to pop up in your social sphere or in your professional life again, or personal life. And so leaving on a, a warm note is, is definitely ideally the, the, the way that you want to do it. I'd say I feel for leaving on a jet plane. We have had COVID in the last couple of years. That's stressful. I would also recommend that they talk to the host about their COVID concerns to make sure that they feel like they're hosting a, a safe party in their honor. From a health perspective, that makes like a, a good sense. And you'd want to be an advocate for everyone's safety. And also just not necessarily feeling like they want to attend a gathering in their honor. It, it can feel stressful. It can feel like a lot of pressure. So I have empathy for the jet plane, leaving on a jet plane. And on the other hand, I also, I appreciate what Dan is saying, that this is an opportunity, a, a chance to lean into maybe some of that anxiety and be social to, to eat a little bit of food, to make a little bit of conversation and to just do one's due diligence for the sake of the relationship. And, and then at that point, you know, gracefully make your exit and let everyone have a a wonderful evening as they continue on. I think you make a good point about being a guest of honor. That's not always an easy thing to do. And for those of us who have just a hint of social anxiety at times, particularly in unfamiliar or new situations, I think it's really wise to be thinking about the role that you're going to be playing and maybe by thinking about it, by naming it, by being clear that that's the role you're going to be playing, it's less anxiety inducing that instead of being caught off guard by being the center of attention at a party or the focus of a party or the guest of honor at a party, it helps you identify what's expected of you. And big picture, it's not a lot. As a guest of honor, the party's for you. So it's really not designed to require a lot of you. I think being prepared to say goodbye, I think being prepared to thank people for the time that you've spent together and to receive gratitude that people are expressing towards you well is is probably going to be enough to play your social role at a party like this or an event like this well. Yeah, you know, you'd probably have similar conversations with a lot of your colleagues like, oh, I'm excited about blah, blah, blah aspect of my next job. I'm going to miss XYZ of this current job. It's been wonderful to to be with you all, you know, and doing some version of that over and over again. I bet after one or two times, it'll become old hat for you. So leaving on a jet plane, best of luck on your new job and best of luck finishing up your old one. We hope our answer helps. Some of the gang's coming over Thursday night and we could have a lot of fun with it. You will come, won't you? Well, one shy guy is on his way. Not that his worries are over. He'll still have his moments of doubt, of hesitation, But he can face these problems now because he knows that he's not really different. Our next question is titled, Let's Talk Toilet Paper. 
We are having a deep-seated debate about TP and whether the roll should be put on with the paper coming out on top or on the bottom. I have always thought it is to be the top because hotels always fold it neatly coming out of the top for a freshly made guest room. And when I was in the White House for a day, they also had the TP out the top with it embossed coming out of the top on a fresh roll. But apparently some in our house think differently. Very much appreciate any assistance you can provide to settle this riveting debate we're having. Warmest regards, Mark. So that's exactly how I do it. We have embossed toilet paper and it comes rolled out on top. Right, honey? It does. I was so curious <laughs> if, if you were and I were going to have a domestic dispute because to me the answer is clear on this one. Um, no, we're, we feel the same way. I am 100% on the habit rolled out on top. This is one of those where I'm going to confess a, a slight weirdness, and I, I, I do it in my own house, but if I ever find it coming out on the bottom, I'm not accusing anyone of anything, just maybe it sometimes happens. There are some little children in our house, too. I flip it around. I'm enough of a it-should-come-out-on-top sort that I, I actually change it if I encounter it the other way. I've also flipped the toilet paper roll at, like, you know, my mom's house or, you know, close family members' houses. You're just sitting there. You just flip it over. It's so much easier to access instead of it hanging lower and you have to, like, unroll it on top. I just feel like it's easier to grab. Does that make sense? It does. And if we want to get into the details, and it's always dangerous when you're talking about the bathroom and toilet paper, I think if you tear it off, the tear is likely to get hidden on the backside of the roll if it's coming mm -hmm. out on the backside. So mm -hmm. I just think you're you're more likely, more consistently to set people up well if it's coming out on top, even if you're not folding it out into that nice triangle like they do in hotels or um, resorts and things like that. I also want to confess that I received this question both as a question to the Awesome Etiquette podcast and as a direct email question to info at emilypost.com. And because it was such a quick question, I responded to Mark somewhat cheekily that it was clearly top, that that was the answer, but that we would appreciate discretion in sharing that news with other people because it's always risky when you start to arbitrate a domestic dispute. And... <laughs> Mark got the humor and he replied back that he would be careful with the press release. So <laughs> we're now risking it. We're expanding the answer to a larger audience. But um, Mark, thank you so much for the question, both via email and into the podcast. And we hope our answer helps everyone as much as it helped you. Okay, but is it bad because we both are on the definitely have it on top side? Should no. we not have someone else on the other side to no. debate with There's us? There's no other way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> We're too alike in this in this question. We're not the best representatives. All right. Well, that's okay. At least we agree, I guess. Good for our home life. Scotty's new magic oval box is pretty, too. And inside, soft, strong, sneeze-proof Scotty's. Remember, for tissues that float up smoothly and come out in neatly folded handfuls, look for Scotty's pretty new magic oval box, the only one of its kind. Okay, our third question is titled Grandparents and Gatherings. Should the other grandparent be asked if they desire to be included in the shower preparation when one of them is hosting? Also availability considered when setting the date? Thanks. What do you think, Dan? 
Well, so I had a couple of questions about this question, but I don't think they're going to prevent us from giving a good answer. Mm -hmm. And it, from the way the question is constructed, I'm not sure if the other grandparent is a spouse or a partner of the grandparent that's in question or whether it's a grandparent on the other side of the family. I just assumed it was the other side of the family, but it, I, I suppose it really could be either. I, I think it could, and, and it would affect the answer in degree, but not in kind is the way I'm thinking about it. I think mm -hmm. that before I get too far into the etiquette side of it, you're in the process of shower preparation. What's your instinct on this answer as a shower host in the next month? Yeah. So my sister is about to have a baby. And so we are hosting a baby shower for her. And in that vein, I am working with both my mother and um, her mother-in-law, my sister's mother-in-law, to host two showers, actually, one in where my mom lives and one where my mother-in-law lives. I would say, I think if you really want this other person to be present at the shower, yes, I would include them to check in about availability. And I think it, they're a family member and they're kind of playing the same role as you are as the one grandparent. I kind of lean towards the side of yes, if you're if you're interested in building that bond and you think this other person would enjoy shower prep, definitely reach out to them. So I kind of lean towards the practicality and then maybe like this being a, a wonderful opportunity to, to build this, this shower together with someone. But I kind of like that idea. I don't know if, you know, someone may not, I guess it, it might be more um, to someone's discretion. I was having a very similar thought. I think that practicality can dictate. And I think that your answer from personal experience covers what I would think of as the major etiquette points that obviously practicality rules when you're talking about availability. I think the first consideration is the guest of honor <laughs> is their availability. The, and that's right there, sort of a one, a one B with the availability of the host. And if you're asking someone to co-host their availability is definitely a question or a concern. And I don't think it's the most important thing. I think it's probably even more important that your guest of honor is available because you could probably find another host, but you definitely can't find another guest. But when you're talking about someone stepping into if, – if the question about shower preparation and their involvement in that is part of it, then they're in some ways joining a hosting group. And definitely I think they are warranted some consideration in that role. I think that that's much easier to plan if the question is just, well – is this a party that's including spouses? Is this a non-gendered shower? Is it one where a partner is going to be invited? As the more I hear your reply and the more I think about it, I think you're right. It's probably a grandparent from the other side. And there I think practicality is the question that if it's possible to get all three people coordinated, then you could maybe all do it together. And that might be a nice way to start to build those bonds. But also in your answer is the idea that it's perfectly okay to have a couple showers also. If there are multiple people that are interested in hosting and that's not um, something that you're asking of them, but something that they've indicated that they would like to do and something that they've maybe even suggested that they would like to do or participate in or do on their own, that you can listen to those cues and follow those cues and that if availability turns out to be the problem, but the interest in being part of shower planning or preparing a shower or being sure certain people are included or that it happens when you're available, 
that it would be perfectly okay to say yes to two showers also if that ends up being the most practical solution. More parties. It's not, it's not, a, it's not ever really a bad thing. So thank you so much, questioner. We hope that our answer is helping to settle your debate about how to progress with your baby shower or wedding shower, bridal shower, and have so much fun. And Pooj, I am so looking forward to the showers that you're planning. Our next question is a tough one. It's called Derm Discussion. Hello, I saw you on Rachel's show and thought I'd ask you, the real expert, on this awkward question. And that would be Lizzie Post that she saw on the Rachel Ray show. But Pooj, I think you and I are going to have to do our best on this one. (laughs) We'll do our best. It begins. I have a friend, a coworker, and my brother, all with blackheads on their faces that have been around so long they seem permanent. Also, one that has a white bump, milia, but otherwise clear skin. All could be easily extracted by a dermatologist. I've never had a facial, but the hygienist could easily do the job. Or actually, just a mirror would probably do. I told my brother, of course. He thought it was a small mole, lol. Now it's gone. Is there any way to politely bring it up to them? Currently, I just zip my lip. These are isolated blemishes, not people with skin condition. We work closely with our clients. I'm not doing this out of a pimple pop obsession, but if I can spot them immediately and then notice them stay on their faces indefinitely, our clients might as well. I'm sure few would notice, but sometimes we have repeat clients. If you think I could say something, I'd like to do it the correct way. I think my friend would be receptive, so I can easily use your suggestion with him. Thanks. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Best, Nicholas. Pooch, I gave you this one because it's a hard one. This is a hard one. It's always hard because people take their personal hygiene so personally. Like if anyone was to say to me something about my breath or something in my teeth, my first thought is, actually, my first thought is thank you for telling me honestly. Like if something's in my teeth, I'm like, thanks for telling me because then I'm not walking around with this food in my teeth. But it can go the other way. It really can where I think people can feel really hurt and embarrassed Mm -hmm. and maybe defensive or sad or angry. Just It's really personal. I know they call it personal hygiene, right? (laughs) Yes, they call it personal hygiene. So what would you think? What What are some good ways that you might approach this? Apparently, Nicholas has a friend that they feel would be receptive to hearing this. So I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are on an approach. You know, I would probably, in my mind, prep myself with, this is something that I would want to hear, probably from someone who I'm close to, who I'm comfortable with, and someone who I know isn't going to be judging me. And so if I have that spirit in mind that I'm actually doing this out of a a good intention, and that the person would benefit from this, I think I would feel clean and clear about going forward, although it is a sensitive topic. So something like, hey, Beth, I was wondering if we could chat about something, if you have a minute. She says, yes, I've got a minute. So now 
I know she's listening. And then letting her know, you know, I wanted to tell you that I noticed um, a little pimple on your face. It's something that I think would easily be taken care of if we were to remove it with um, an esthetician or a facial. And I think that if we did that, if, if we were able to clear that mark, I think your face would glow a lot more. I don't think it's anything that I've noticed in a negative way, but I'd also think that it's something that could be detracting from just how beautiful you are. And I, I, as I'm saying that out loud, I, I'm really tripping up because I don't know, I don't know how to say that gracefully. I may, I definitely need some help there, hun. I really admire your effort to tackle a sample script. We call Lizzie Post the master of sample scripts on this show, and we call her that for a reason. She's really good at it. She's a natural at it. And uh-huh. the reason I call her a natural is because she can just do it in the moment on the fly. And it's something yeah. I so respect and appreciate about her. And oftentimes I'm the one on whose role it is testing out the awkward sample script and discovering how how awkward it sounds and where the trip-ups are. <laughs> Well, I'm officially playing your role, so now you have to play her role and and help us out. What 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 do you think Lizzie would say? The good news is that this is it is such a common etiquette problem that we actually have sample scripts for this that we teach at the Emily Post Institute as part of our business etiquette trainer training, as part of our business etiquette seminars, how to talk to a coworker or someone that you're close with about a personal hygiene issue is Something that comes up for people in all kinds of different contexts. Sometimes it's around important social events. Sometimes it's around professional relationships or workplaces. Sometimes it's just around relationships within the family. It would make someone more comfortable if someone else did something a little differently. And even within the family, it can be awkward for all those reasons you talked about. That Mm -hmm. it's not easy to predict how someone's going to respond when you're talking about something as personal as appearance and grooming and how we take care of ourselves. And mm-hmm. um, your idea that a little bit of preparation for yourself going into the conversation is also a real clue that that's really a kind maneuver to give someone else. So there's a tactic that we've talked about on the show before we call priming and it's about setting someone up to receive difficult news. You ask permission to have the awkward conversation. I think you might've even done it as you got going on your sample script. You know, there's something a little awkward that I'd like to talk about. Would you mind? Do you have a minute? And that's just a really good way to go. Cause it one gives someone a chance to excuse themselves. If they don't want to have that conversation, if it's not a good time, they're not in a good space for it. But if they do agree to it, they're both mentally prepared and they've given you permission. So you've opened up the the social space in an important way before you tackle something that's probably more personal than the things we usually talk with each other about, even close coworkers or, or spouses. The other thing that is built into the sample scripts that we suggest for that conversation is that you're explicit and caring. And I definitely heard that in your sample script too. In fact, I was wondering, are you reading my bullets? Are you reading my answers for this question? Or are you just coming up with this on your (laughs) own? I did not read the bullets, I promise. (laughs) I I do remember you talking before about asking someone to have a conversation. And I like that. So I use that. But um, no, I hadn't read your bullets. 
Well, I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you had, because that, that, that second piece of advice, I think you also did very well, that you articulate your concern for them coming from a place of care for them, and that you don't just assume that someone knows that. I, and the sample language that I would suggest are things like, I care about you, I care about you and your success. If the shoe were on the other foot, I'd hope you would feel comfortable talking to me about something like this, or... I hope that you would feel comfortable approaching me because I would want to know myself. You can also give them the credit of maybe being aware already. You may be aware already, or this might be something that you've thought about, or this might be something you've noticed. So that you're not assuming that you or the other people that you've talked to about this are the only ones that know that there's a good chance this person has thought about it themselves as well. Mm-hmm. The other sample scripts to keep in mind are ones that are built around being honest, direct, and curious. And this is where I get tripped up, and this is where I heard your sample scripts start to feel a little awkward to me. And I think you even started to feel it awkward. Oh, in I was your feeling own so awkward, so awkward. <laughs> I, I think you can acknowledge that it's difficult. You can even acknowledge it's difficult for you. You know, this is something a little personal. I have a hard time talking about it, but. And this is where your preparation works. I think you have to really be prepared to address the thing directly because they need to know and dancing around it doesn't help. Uh-uh. I've noticed blemishes that might be something you could clean up pretty easily. Have you ever tried X, Y, or Z? Or is this something you've thought about? Is this something you've noticed that you, you say the thing that is the direct thing? In this case, that you've noticed blemishes on their face that you think wouldn't be that hard to address. But that you also then follow that with a question or an offer, a willingness to continue the conversation or help. And that at that point, you really are ready to either listen to a response, to participate in a solution by offering some suggestions or continuing the discussion, or to leave it alone completely if they're not interested or are feeling hurt or defensive or just like they need some time or some space to think about it on their own. And the sample scripts that I've got in my mind for that approach are things like, I understand. I just wanted to mention it in case you weren't aware or weren't thinking about it. Or maybe even my apologies, I didn't mean to offend you. Or I've tried or I know about a couple of things that might help if you're curious or want to talk more. And that those are things that you could say that would allow you to then offer the suggestions of, a really hot compress or a visit to an esthetician or for something more serious. If they've told you that it is a medical concern or it's something they've dealt with for a long time, that maybe it's even about, about seeing a doctor or a medical professional. It sounds like in this case, it might be more about a personal hygiene routine, recommending a certain product or even just an approach, a time of day that, that would, that would help someone before they, come to work, the office, or in other social situations, a big party or event? Well, I just appreciate the the being direct because I can tell you as soon as I actually got to the meat of the issue, I was skirting around, you know, and, and dancing around like in the way that you said it. And that felt really uncomfortable. I think the being direct is the ticket. And I think it's hard to do. So I would probably practice this Honest, if I was going to do this, I would probably practice this in my head a few times or in front of the mirror and just try to get the muscle memory in, in my body of saying this 
a few times and feeling more and more, you know, practice makes perfect, just feeling more comfortable with it before I actually did it, you know, with someone. And um, really, in my mind, set the tone for myself that I'm doing this out of a good intention and that I'm not trying to hurt anyone. I love that you said that I can make that explicit. One, that I care about you. This is my good intention. I care about you and your success. And also that I'm and I'm trying not to, uh, you mentioned somewhere here, it was like, um, I hope I didn't offend. I don't want to be offensive to you. I think that transparency goes a long way in making it less awkward. So I really appreciate that. Absolutely. Not leaving your good intentions up to someone else to interpret or guess or assume, I think is a real key to, to doing something like this. Well, another thing that I think can really help, particularly with that directness mm-hmm. component is if you remind yourself that you really would want someone else to talk to you about something mm-hmm. like this, that for the most part, if, if someone had a concern or if there was something that other people were talking about that was awkward or embarrassing, but that was something that was pretty easy for you to fix, you might really appreciate it if someone was able to bring it to your attention in a way that allowed you to address it. And one thing that we didn't say at the start was that you absolutely want to do something like this in private in a circumstance or a situation where someone has an opportunity both to process and digest what you're saying, but also not to feel called out in front of mm-hmm. anyone else. It's 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 almost so obvious that I don't want to mm-hmm. say it, but in the spirit of being explicit about all the good things, I think that's also a really important point to make. But In a business context, we have survey data that shows most people would rather hear about a personal hygiene or personal issue that's affecting the workplace from a colleague, a friend, or a coworker rather than a supervisor, a superior, someone in HR. And that might help. That might help with the confidence of finding that that directness that can feel so elusive, particularly for those of us that really take care not to offend someone else or put someone else in an awkward or difficult situation. What you're really doing is helping them avoid awkward or difficult situations. And your willingness to be a part of that is in some ways an act of generosity. It really is. I mean, it is a good friend. I appreciate Nicholas, your care for your friend, your brother and your coworker, and that you're thinking about this because it's true. I I mean, if I were in your brother, friend or coworker situation, I would, I would really appreciate knowing So best of luck, Nicholas, and we really hope our answer helps. You have many kinds of skin. Your fingernails are a kind of hardened skin. Even your hair is a kind of skin. In fact, most of what people see of you is your skin. That's still another reason why the care of the skin is so important. Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on social media. On Twitter, we are at emilypostinst. On Instagram, we are at emilypostinstitute. And on Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. Just remember, use the hashtag awesomeetiquette with your post so that we know you want your question on the show.
If you love awesome etiquette, consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting us at patreon.com forward slash awesome etiquette. You'll get an ads-free version of the show and access to bonus questions and content. Plus, you'll feel great knowing that you help keep awesome etiquette on the air. And to those of you who are already sustaining members, thank you for your support. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Today, we have feedback from Faith about our discussion on whether speaking in another language in front of those who don't speak it is disrespectful. Hello, AE team. Just wanted to share my feedback on the question from a listener who wondered if they should avoid speaking in a language other than English for an extended period of time in earshot of others, such as an airport. When I'm a bystander in places like that, I actually prefer when the people around me are speaking a language I can't understand. It just becomes background noise, and I can easily ignore it. Whereas when people are speaking in English, my brain can't tune it out, and I'm forced to overhear some stranger's conversation rather than just reading my book. Just another perspective for consideration, and perhaps something to ease your listener's mind. Best, Faith. Ah, Faith, we love feedback that has the potential to ease anyone's mind. Thank you so much. And thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your feedback or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or a text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about joining the Post family. I was recently asked at a seminar I was giving about growing up post and found myself saying that I never thought about it. It might have been more strange for my friends or people that I was introducing to my grandparents or my family. That's the the answer that I most often find myself giving when I get that particular question. But it occurred to me when I was thinking about today's show that there's someone here who could answer that question on behalf of all the friends I've had in my life. I thought I would ask my best friend what it has been like to join the Post family. Pooja, I am really curious. Any thoughts or reflections that you have on either the Post family personally or this strange tradition of writing about etiquette that happens to be the the gainful employment that your husband's involved in and the, the family tradition that he enjoys so much and that you've gotten to know very well over the last 10 years. When I first met Dan, actually, I should say, when we, when we first went on a date, our first date, I remember sitting at dinner with him and he brought up his family background and the Emily Post Institute. And I immediately felt myself get kind of cold inside and tight. And I crossed my legs, <laughs> thought to myself, where is my fork? What is my, what is my napkin doing? Is it on the floor? Like, Just kind of got nervous and really was thinking to myself, how am I being perceived? How am I being judged? And then, you know, we're just still sitting, I'm just still sitting there with him and he's just himself. And I kind of loosened up and maybe just sat back in my seat because that's been my perception of you. And that's why I've stuck around, Dan, is this, that it's e that you're easy. It's easy. Um, I think at the heart of it, etiquette comes down to the principles as you guys describe them, 
in, in terms of honesty, consideration and respect. And those principles are not like judgment. They're not nervousness or anxiety about being seen in a very particular way. Otherwise, you're not good enough. And that was my idea of etiquette before I had known you. And that, that's been my experience with your family as well. The post side and the sending side, your family is grounded and they're kind and they're generous. And so I think that those qualities come through in the work that you do with Lizzie. So that, that's what speaks to me about what your family represents. I mean, it, they represent to me what my family represents to me, just closeness and supporting each other and loving each other and spending time and, you know, eating food and holidays and kids running around. And, and all of that is what I, what I feel we celebrate together and our families coming together. So it's, at first I was really nervous, but that really quickly dissipated. And I remember meeting John and Cindy, your parents, and again, any pretense that I had about what I, this nervous feeling that I had about how this might go, that immediately went away. I mean, John Senning wanted to wear his hair in cornrows and, and had made a wonderful relationship with the barbershop at the bottom of the street. I mean, this man lives for connecting with people. Cindy is an ardent feminist. Um, Emily Post was a divorcee. I mean, Sure, there are strings. If you wanted to pull in any family or any relationship and any person and say, hey, this person judged me in this moment or this and this, I could think about that in my own life and my own family. And I'm sure I could think about it in your family. But that's not what comes to mind. That's not what I think is, is really the, is really what I perceive there. So I think everyone's human, including your family, even though they have this tradition that is really focused very much so on relationship. For me, it's come and it's really equated to the ability to be intentional in relationship. And um, that, I mean, that's something that I value myself. So not having been a post before, now I'm a sending or maybe technically it might be a sending parentheses post uh, or something like that. But really, it's pretty good. It's pretty darn good. I'm pretty content with, with my placement in the post and the sending family. Um, it puts a smile on my face to to hear you say it. And I was definitely wondering if the that that early date at Misery Loves Company, a phenomenal little eatery in Winooski, Vermont was, was going to come up in the course of this discussion. Cause that was definitely the place where what I did came up. I think before that we had met primarily through the, the movement community in Burlington through dance and yeah. yoga. And I imagine it was a bit of a left field response to the, the get to know you question of, of what do you do? And, and maybe sort of a more personal answer than you would expect to get to that question because it is a family business and it's such a tradition um, within the family as well that it, it becomes sort of a loaded answer for me to give sometimes. Mm -hmm. That's the place where I feel it the most and precisely because I like other people to be at ease and comfortable. Sometimes I avoid even talking about it just because I'd, I'd rather avoid even that moment of the clutch that you felt yes. when you heard that was e – even if it was – just a moment if it passed and, and you found yourself feeling comfortable very quickly again. In terms of quick interactions with people, I often want to try to just avoid that completely. But 
when I meet someone I really like, I've got to tell them. <laughs> <laughs> well, I rolled with it, and I've, I'm very glad that I did. I keep on wanting to say honey, and I think that's too close to say honey on a podcast. Probably. We'll forgive you if it slips out. I, the, the other thing that occurred to me as I was thinking about that night, and I can remember, I can remember where we were sitting that night. I, mm-hmm. I remember what we ordered. You got that incredible hot cocktail. Yeah, it was like... Um, rum butter something. Rum and but It had butter in it, I remember, but it was a cocktail, yes. And it was warm. Yes. And I don't know, I don't drink cocktails, but I remember thinking that it just sounded delicious. And... <laughs> The other thing that happened in that meal is something that I think about. There, there were two things that were memorable about that night. One, that it was my first date with you, which was awesome. But the other was the food was so good. And we ordered a salad and it came <laughs> and it had these just yummy, delicious little nuggets in it that were – I thought they were fried croutons or I, – I didn't know what they were Yeah, like exactly. crunchy, like lardy bites. <laughs> Turns out it was something called head cheese mm-hmm. and – I still don't know exactly what head cheese is. I have some idea what it is, but it turned out it was a fried head cheese. And after I asked the the server what it was and he told me, I'd already committed that they were the most delicious thing I'd tasted in a long time. And there was no turning <laughs> back. I was going to keep enjoying them. And just as you were talking a little bit about the, the post family and the tradition, I was thinking to myself how – it might sound weird like head cheese, but if you can just get through a couple bites, it is delicious. <laughs> There's so much going on there. <laughs> and it might be the first time I've ever compared the post-family etiquette tradition to head cheese, but I do think there's something in it, in the, the metaphor. That's fabulous. So I'm going to tell Cindy that, actually. <laughs> well, you know where to find her. She's not far away. And for our <laughs> listeners that don't know, my parents live next door. Pooja has really – she dove in. She 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 didn't just jump in. She dove in head first and <laughs> um, has really become a treasured and very special part of our family. And that's to me but also to a lot of our extended family. And um, we are so much richer for having you a, a, a part of this scene and by – us, I mean all of us, Pooja, the Awesome Etiquette audience, as well as the Post family and the Emily Post Institute. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for taking the time and for sharing your spirit with all of us and for risking me asking you this question out of the blue. Everyone should know I told you not to read the postscript part of the script because mm-hmm. I wanted it's to true. get your right off the bat initial impressions. And I, I appreciate your willingness to take some chances with me along the way. You are so welcome. Thank you so much for being here. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today, we have a special salute for an organization called Recognize Good. They are an etiquette salute turned active nonprofit organization. Today's etiquette salute is a little bit different. We want to point your attention to an organization called Recognize Good, and they are based in Austin, Texas. They're a 501c nonprofit that are really built around a concept that is very similar to the etiquette salute that we run on this show at the end of each episode. 
This organization began with the idea that recognizing good deeds in the community of Austin, Texas, was in itself a valuable thing to do, was a worthwhile enterprise. And they began almost 20 years ago with this mission to acknowledge and recognize the good that was going on in their community. And over the last almost 20 years now, they've built an incredible network that connects stories and appreciation for good things that are happening in Texas and more specifically in Austin to donors and people who are willing to fund a reward system that is granted on the basis of recommendations about good behavior. So they've essentially taken the idea of the etiquette salute and amplified it to the point where it becomes its own marketing and becomes a vehicle for generating donor support for continuing to support the people that are recognized for doing the good work. And we wanted to take an etiquette salute to point attention of our audience at the work that they do at Recognize Good. You can find out more about them at recognizegood.org. And for those of you who are listening in Austin or the greater community in the state of Texas, I know that is very big for a Vermonter. It's easy to think, oh, Burlington or the surrounding area, the whole state. But even in a great big state like that, it's hard to overstate the importance of recognizing organizations that are doing incredible work and that are figuring out ways to support people who are doing the right thing and who are positive change agents in their community. So from the Etiquette Salute at the Awesome Etiquette Podcast, we want to recognize good and turn your attention to recognizegood.org. listening and thank you to everyone who sent us something and everyone who supports us on patreon please connect with us and share this show with your friends family and co-workers and on social media you can send us your next question piece of feedback or salute by email to awesome etiquette at emilypost.com you can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND that's 802-858-5463 on Twitter, we are at Emily Post Inst. On Instagram, we are at Emily Post Institute. And on Facebook, we're the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member by visiting patreon.com forward slash awesome etiquette. You can also subscribe to the ads version of our show on Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And please consider leaving us a review. It helps our show ranking, which helps more people find awesome etiquette. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Thanks Chris, Chris and Bridget. And Bridget.